employee bonus program really is on the employee retention side. However, having a well-structured employee bonus program will also attract new employees to your pharmacy uh, because then they know that they have the opportunity for greater compensation beyond just the structured salary that you are giving them. Welcome to the Becoming a Pharmacy Badass podcast, where we talk about how to diversify your revenue streams, increase your net income, and optimize your operations to create the pharmacy of your dreams. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. That was a great presentation on kind of how technology is changing in healthcare. And what I'm going to be talking about is something that is not changing. (laughs) You need employees and you need really highly qualified, highly talented employees as a pharmacy owner. Um, Even if you're in a healthcare system, you still need great employees. And um, I know sometimes when you're in a system, you don't have as much influence over the hiring process. But I wanted to go through how to attract and retain employees in this crazy market that we are in. So I'm going to start presenting here. And if you can't see my slides or anything, please let me know. Um, So, all right. Can you see my slides? Everything good? Yeah, we can see them. Thank you. All right, perfect. Just wanted to make sure. Okay, so we are going to be going over today the how to describe, I want to describe to you the different employee levers, as I call them, that you can control in order to attract and retain high quality, talented employees. I want you to understand the difference of why it's important to create customized packages. Um, I'm not for an all-in-one solution. And I want to define guidelines for you for some employee bonus ideas. And Lastly, I want you to learn about some possible tasks that you can be giving to employees that not only helps your bottom line, but also helps them achieve more compensation for themselves because employees like having control of their future. And I think that's a big part of attracting and retaining employees is letting them control some of their future, letting them have some skin in the game as you will. So those are our learning objectives. So um, for those of you that may not know me, I am Dr. Lisa Faust, as uh, he introduced me. I started my first pharmacy from scratch way back in 2005, opened for business in 2006. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to receive receive many accolades and awards. I was on the Inc. 500 list, which is like one of my coolest things. Um, I'm currently the part owner of three different pharmacies, two in Louisiana, one in Texas. Um, I have done just about everything wrong you can do in pharmacy. So if you've made a blunder, call me. I can help you. (laughs) I've also done just about everything right in pharmacy. Um, That's what happens when you start to spend, you know, over 20 years in independent pharmacy. Um, I'm currently the founder of Diversifier X, and we put on the Pharmacy Profit Summit, and we also um, have Pharmacy Badass University for pharmacy owners. And feel free to post any questions in this um, session. I'm happy to answer questions real time. We will also make sure that we answer all the questions at the end. You can, if you come watching this later and you come up with questions, feel free to email me at info at diversifierx.com. I'm happy to answer questions at any time. So let's dive right on in and talk about your employer tool belt. These are the employer 
employee benefit levers that I like to think of. And I do have a little graphic on here with like these levers, because as I talk about these, I visualize almost being in like a big, like heavy machinery with all these different levers. And chances are you're not going to operate that machinery very well if they're all just pushed up to the <laughs> up to the highest point. And as pharmacy owners, that is what we would like to do. We'd love to be able to offer our employees unlimited benefits and unlimited salaries. But unfortunately, we live in the real world where things are restricted. And so you have to be able to adjust the benefits. And these benefits are in your control. And that is where you can start to tailor um, specific benefits for specific employees. Not employees, not all employees care about the same benefits. And if one goes up, say you increase the hourly rate, maybe another one comes down to adjust for that. And so that's where you really get this customization where you're bumping some levers up and you're pulling some other levers down in order to meet the needs of the employees. And so what this really does is allows you to create a really customized package so employees feel really well matched to the compensation that you're giving and can make your position more attractive. And the other thing that this allows you to do is it allows you to change the compensation for a particular employee over time. And it can change based on the employee's needs. It can change on the um, business um, you know, maturity, the, the profitability and where it's at from a business perspective. Um, as you know, if you hire an employee and they're 19 and single, um, they might need different benefits if they're still with you four years later and they're married with a newborn. You know, certain things just become a different priority. So what these allow you to do is allow you to change those compensation packages based on the current um, status of the employee and the business. And I'd like to just put this out here that there's no right or wrong mix. Like there's no right or wrong way of doing this. This is really like personalization. And so what works for you and what works for your employee is really what matters, not what may somebody else may be doing. So let's talk about the first levers, which is salary. Um, salary is probably the number one that people say is, you know, what is the salary for this position? And I, as we go through this, I like to look at salary as just one component of an entire employee's compensation. So it's important that we meet the needs. My personal philosophy is, is I want the salary to take care of the employee so they're not worried about putting bread on their table, but I don't want the salary to be so good that it doesn't incentivize them to do anything else. And so, but salary is definitely one of those levers. And for some people, salary is going to be far more important than vacation time or um, other benefits or schedule or those kinds of things. So um, salary is definitely probably the one that most people think of. Um, commissions. Uh, commissions can be bonuses. I, you know, they can be really anything additional on top of their normal hourly rate. Most of the employees that we're going to be hiring as pharmacy owners are hourly rate employees. You might have some salaried employees. Um, just make sure you comply with your state laws because there's rules around that. Um, but commissions, you could be commissions for selling an over the counter product, commissions for, you know, selling a diabetic shoes or just bonus performance. And so these are really basically action based additional incentives. Um, bonuses can be based on metrics, maybe not selling a unit. A commission is usually like a per unit type of bonus, whereas a bonus can be something about performance issues, you know, getting the inventory under control or finishing a big project or 
you know, redoing a website for a marketer or something like that is not necessarily per unit based, but it can be more project based or even team based where you're trying to incentivize the team as a whole. And so I like to separate out commission and bonus just because um, it causes your brain to look at it in a little bit of different way. Paid time off. So paid time off includes vacation, sick pay, um, wrapped all into one. I like to just call it a paid time off bucket. So if your employee needs time off because they're just overwhelmed and they, they need a day off, fantastic. They need a day off to go on their kid's field trip or they're sick with strep throat. To me, it doesn't really matter the reason. It's just earned paid time off. And so that is definitely a bucket um, that you can pull. And so, you know, maybe... Uh, employees with families and a bunch of kids, they might actually appreciate more paid time off. They want to uh, take advantage of kids events or take more vacation in the summer. And so that is where you can start to adjust and meet the needs of your employees while still meeting the needs of your business. Insurance is another big one. So many pharmacy owners just kind of disregard this and just don't provide it. There are some really low cost ways that you can provide insurance to your employees. Um, and depending on your state marketplace, it, it might be beneficial that you don't provide ins insurance, but that's really important to look at because providing insurance, especially to those more highly compensated employees, like your pharmacists and managers, maybe your clinicians, um, the, they're really looking at insurance because they're not most likely not going to qualify for any of the exchange rates. But having a good insurance program can really be the difference being able to attract high quality employees or not. Um, don't forget about some of the intangibles like the schedule. You as an independent pharmacy owner offer better schedules than a lot of other pharmacy related jobs out there. Most of the time you're not open late on weeknights. Most of the time you're not open on weekends or if you are, maybe it's a short day on Saturday. But schedule matters to a lot of people. They would prefer not to work nights. They would prefer not to work weekends. Um, they want more flexibility in their schedule. And so just don't forget about some of those intangibles that you can control that offer a great benefit to your um, people. Now, last but certainly not least, or actually not last, there's one more, um, but is perks. You offer lots of different perks. Maybe it's you know, lunches on Fridays or having your schedule three weeks in advance or four weeks in advance. Maybe it's scheduling vacation for the whole year, you know, at the beginning of the year, they get guaranteed time. There's lots of different things because you're an owned business, you're the owner, you're making the decisions that you can offer just a lot of others, some of those intangible perks, your culture, um, how much you support your employees, you know, you don't overwhelm them, you provide adequate staffing. Obviously, right now, there's a big movement from the chain uh, pharmacies where you know they're understaffed they're overworked they have to meet a bunch of metrics and there's just tons of pressure you as an independent pharmacy owner actually can provide a wonderful employment situation without that pressure cooker um, on the employees and so don't forget to highlight some of the working conditions and the perks that you have and then last but certainly not least is title and position um, I know this is something that I had fun with my employees um, by letting them pick their title. Now, of course, depending on your state board of pharmacy, there might be requirements for what the title might include, like a technician. If they're working as a licensed or registered technician, their title needs to have technician in there. But that doesn't mean you can't have fun with some of the other things. Like I know our um, head of delivery drivers, when we were doing this and letting them pick their title, uh, he came up with director of pharmaceutical transportation.
location. That's what he was. He managed the delivery drivers, but he loved that title. And um, that really gave him that self-affirmation. And so sometimes for people, title and status is important. They want to be a manager. They want to be a lead technician, um, those kinds of things. And you can certainly offer that as a pharmacy owner where you have more flexibility in being able to um, provide that. All right. Okay, so we're gonna start talking about why you want to customize for each person. Um, I just don't believe that having a set benefit packages, set compensation packages is what's gonna be what's best for all employees. Cause then you're just attracting, if you have a generic package, frankly, you're just gonna attract generic employees. And generic employees are not gonna get you to having a thriving and profitable pharmacy. And so you need to cater your packages to your employees. So you can certainly have a starting point. Um, uh, you can say, hey, you know, starting at $15 an hour, um, uh, you know, and co total compensation package is customized or something like that. You can certainly have a starting point because when you want to post a job, I highly recommend you post some of the compensation perks. That's what's going to attract good people. Um, I, if you just say, depending on experience, um, that's very unattractive to somebody who's looking for a job of the chances of they're going to like inquire about that job because it comes off as very generic. It's not exciting. And so, one thing that I like to always say is everyone getting the same isn't always fair. Okay. Um, I remember there's a story and it's completely, I'm sure made up story, but um, of a teacher with a classroom of kids. And she said to, you know, imagine that they have a pretend boo-boo somewhere on their body and it can be anywhere. And then each of the kids went up to the teacher and the teacher gave them a band-aid and she put a band-aid on their hand, on the back of their hand. And they all sat down and, you know, they all got the same band-aid on their hand but not all of their boo-boos were on their hand and so was that really fair did they get the did they get what they needed and really that's what i want to shift your mindset is if you give everybody the same are you really giving the employees what they needed and therefore they're more likely to be stolen away because from somebody else who give them more of what they need. And it doesn't necessarily mean more compensation. That's what the, the big thing here is, is you can have the total cost to the employer be the same in terms of total compensation. It's just made up of different DNA, if you will. And so I want my employees to enjoy the benefits that I give them. Uh, you know, if, I, if I'm generous with PTO and somebody doesn't care about PTO and they never go out of town, um, for whatever reason, uh, then they're enjoying the benefits. I'd rather them get something from me. I want them to love working for me. And I, that means using the benefits. And so if they, if I offer insurance, if I offer a really fantastic, great insurance plan, you know, but their spouse works for the state and have, they have an even better insurance plan, then they're not going to enjoy that benefit from me. And so I want to provide them something different because leaving an employee, it should be painful, frankly, just like a patient, you know, you want that stickiness. Um, you want them, the, the pain of leaving to be very high because that way they're stuck to you. So the same concept for patients is the same concept for employees. And so the other thing is I want my employees to feel listened to and appreciated. If an employee tells me that they're more concerned about people, uh, pay time off because they have kids that are in school with lots of activities. And I say, well, 
too bad. We only offer a week for your level of service. That just feels um, not very, not very uh, warm and fuzzy. And so it's like, well, let's figure out how we can make that happen. Maybe they are not as eligible for as many bonuses as the rest of the staff, um, but they get an extra week of PTO. You know, that's where you start to decrease other levers in order to increase the levers that are most important to them. And then understanding their unique needs and then creating compensation packages for them, again, is what just makes employees just super sticky. Chances that they're going to find another package like that at another employer um, is not likely because many employers don't do this. They don't do customization. They just do, hey, you're a technician with this many years, years experience. That means you get this compensation, no questions asked. And so um, when you want to be have exceptional employees, you have to be an exceptional employer and do those things that will make you that. Um, the other thing, the other kind of perk, the second order consequence that I like of this is it reduces what I call compensation comparisons. We know this always happens. It doesn't matter how great your culture is. It doesn't matter how well you pay your people. They're always going to compare themselves or not only to each other, but to other people as well. And so when it's like, Hey, how much you making? Oh, I'm making $15 an hour. Oh, well I'm getting 1625. You know, like it just, it kind of prevents that because it's like, well, I make $15 an hour, but I get four weeks vacation or I get my insurance paid for, um, or I never have to work nights. Like it, it then decommoditizes, if you will, kind of the salary portion of the compensation package because the employee knows that they're getting other perks and benefits. And it's not just about the hourly rate anymore. Um, Another thing is it allows you, like, as I said before, it almost allows you to control the costs where you can still say yes to the employees. So this isn't just about escalating costs and saying yes to everything. It's finding out what's the highest priority for the employee, being able to say yes to that high priority while then maybe reducing some other benefits so that then the total compensation stays the same. All right, just some just some examples. You know, you obviously everything's going to be just you know very unique, and these are completely made up. But let's just say you have a single mom working for you, and she wants to be off by three thirty p.m. every day, and she needs insurance. Like, fantastic. You can say yes to those things because then maybe um, she doesn't earn as much PTO, or maybe her hourly rate is slightly less because. Um, you're giving her a very set customized schedule. Like, you know, you can start to say yes to these types times of things and adjust those other levers. Another example is young college student who doesn't want to work weekends, doesn't need insurance and doesn't care about PTO. This might be somebody that just all they care about is an hourly rate. They want to work Monday through Friday. You know, they'll work their butt off and they don't care about those other things. And so again, you can give them those schedules that they want, give them the hourly rate that they're looking for and kind of take away those other perks and adjust them. Um, last example, you know, 30 year old, 10 year veteran technician cares about the title, cares about their vacation days and bonuses, but they don't need insurance. You know, maybe they got insurance through their spouse or whatever. Um, and so again, this is kind of as people mature and their needs change, you can then just adjust those levers. Um, compensation, employee compensation just doesn't have to be this linear, stagnant, 
very structured uh, you know, path to employee pay. Um, this can be something where you get to sit down with your employees every year uh, and say, hey, you know, it's, it's your anniversary again. It's time to talk about your needs. Has anything changed with you personally? Do we need to look at your compensation package and adjust it to your needs? And this can also prevent you from just always having to give a salary increase um, year after year, just because, you know, they're, they're there another year. This is where you get to really adjust those things and make it unique. All right, I don't see, uh, nope, I don't see, uh, nope, I don't see any questions. All right. So let's talk about an employee bonus program. So employee bonus program really is on the employee retention side. However, having a well-structured employee bonus program will also attract new employees to your pharmacy uh, because then they know that they have the opportunity for greater compensation beyond just the structured salary that you're giving them. So I like to call an employee bonus program where it creates basically a no ceiling opportunity for employee pay. If they keep producing more and they keep being awesome and they keep bringing in additional revenue or reducing costs or all of the things that we're focusing on for an employee bonus program, then great, I get to compensate them for and I'm happy to do that. So there really is no limit to employee compensation when you have a well thought out employee bonus program. Um, it also pays for performance. Uh, it eliminates what I call fat cat syndrome. And I've talked to plenty of pharmacy owners where, you know, they have a technician that's maybe been there or, or pharmacist that's been there maybe 15, 20 years. And they just keep get, kept getting those annual increases every year. And so now they've kind of got this really bloated salary. They're not motivated to do anything else. They're not really interested in doing extra work because they got this really bloated salary. So why, why do I need to? And so that's where I think employee bonus programs can really come in and partner very well with a good salary. Um, it also enables control, uh, employees to control their own destiny. Again, this putting employees in the driver's seat makes them feel very certain um, and they can choose how much extra effort to put in the job to get the compensation that you are offering to them. Um, I also, I think this really allows employees to discover themselves and develop their own professional and personal skills. I'm a big believer in training employees, making them the best person and the best employee that they can be. Um, and that's always gonna come back to you in, in dividends in the future. It's a good return on investment. And so if you offer some employee bonus programs, maybe for you know, selling a, you know, Ananda Blend PM uh, for sleep patients or selling, you know, some other supplement over the counter, they may not even realize that they love supplements and, and they love telling patients about them and they love hearing the feedback. Like they just might never have discovered that. And so offering many different opportunities and for employees to kind of raise their hand and take ownership of that, it also develops their skills because we don't know what the future holds for them. You know, they may not be working for you in 10 years, but if you can help them to improve their life and move on whenever that time comes, then I think that's a very good thing. And then the other thing about employee bonus program, and I think sometimes pharmacy owners forget this, is you only pay the employee when you win. If you structure your employee bonus program correctly, you're not just paying out money and not getting anything in return. That's, that's kind of the antithesis of an employee bonus program is you're only paying money 
when the employee has met a metric that has benefited you as the pharmacy owner. So really employee bonus programs shouldn't cost you anything from that perspective because they have done an activity that has probably generated revenue that maybe you wouldn't have if you didn't have this program. And so now you're paying out money um, from additional money that is coming in. Um, the other thing is that employee bonus programs can be team-based or individual-based or combination thereof. Uh, there might be some goals where you're really working together as a team, and then there might be other goals that's you know very individual to that person. So there's no right or wrong, and you can kind of um, change between those. Um, I like to change employee bonus metrics on a monthly basis. Monthly tends to work best for most things. Um, for possibly bigger projects, uh, for example, maybe accreditation for your compounding lab or something like that that your compound tech is leading, that's probably going to be a multi month type of employee bonus program. Uh, but when you do it on a monthly basis, that means you can easily change it based on the needs of the employee or the business. So here's my eight suggested guidelines for an employee bonus program. These are just my guidelines. It's not every rule um, possibly out there, just some things to consider as you start to put together your employee bonus program. So I think number one is the employee has to be able to directly control the metrics they are responsible for. So if you have a compounding technician, let's say, and you're trying to give them an employee bonus of, you know, OTC sales or something like that, and they don't ever have the chance to sell OTCs because they're just your, you know, formula making compounding tech, that really isn't a, a fair bonus to them um, because they don't really have control over it. And so it's not nice to have your bonus hinging on somebody else's performance. So just make sure that the employee can directly control um, whatever metrics they're being measured on. I also believe in making it simple. I love the KISS method. Keep it simple, stupid, or stupid, simple, or something like that, but it's keep it simple. Um, the metric must be easily measurable. Black and white, the employee should be able to track their progress. If it's July 15th, I want to be able to know where do I stand July 15th, and so what do I need to do by July 31st in order to qualify for my bonus. So make sure things are easily measurable and trackable. I know every once in a while there might be a bonus thing that, that's a little fuzzy or a little feedback. That should be more of the outlier than the rule. Things It works out really best when things are really measurable. I also think that achieving the goal should bring additional profit. Um, again, and it's, it's, there might be outliers from time, like I mentioned, a compounding tech, you know, going through accreditation and getting bonused for that. Accreditation in of itself won't necessarily bring additional profit, but it's good for the business in the long run. It certainly will. But other goals should be bring additional uh, profit. So selling OTCs or selling 10, having a goal of selling, you know, 10 of a specific supplement or something like that. Like when you have those goals, those things are bringing in additional revenue and profit to the pharmacy. Uh, and therefore that's funding your employee bonus program. I am a strong believer in not bonusing for basic performance. Um, if, you know, don't bonus for showing up on time, <laughs> don't bonus for, you know, not calling in sick or, you know, those kinds of things like the things that they should just be doing in order to remain employed are not things that should be bonused. Um, 
And so that's just my personal philosophy. You're obviously free to make your own choices, but I just don't believe in bonusing for basic performance. It should be for going above and beyond um, and doing extra things on top of kind of normal employee duties. Um, also make sure the employee bonus tasks are aligned with your goals. So if your goals are to, you know, improve your cash flow, then focusing on inventory is going to be a great, you know, comparative um, goal. However, if you're focusing on improving your cash flow and then an employee has a task of implementing, you know, a whole new OTC section that, that may not, that may not be congruent because when you implement a new OTC, OTC section, you're buying a bunch of stuff up front, which is a drain on cash. You'll eventually might get it in the, in the future, but you just want to make sure that your goals for the pharmacy overall as your pharmacy owner, what is your main focus right now that they trickle down to the employee's goals so that you're all working enthusiastically towards the same goal and you're not kind of going off in wild directions. Another thing is they should be realistic. <laughs> if you have a goal of OTC dollars in a month, which this is one of my favorite goals for pharmacies is OTC dollars a month. And if you've been averaging $1,500 a month in OTC sales, and if you set your first month's employer performance program at $10,000 a month, that's just not realistic. They're not going to increase tenfold in one month. And then people are going to get discouraged and they're just going to be like, why even try? They're so far out there. I'm never going to get it. So make sure they're realistic. Maybe instead of 1500, you make it 2,500 or you make it 3000. Like you make it something that's very much more realistic um, in order for them to achieve those goals. I also like to let employees overachieve. I don't, uh, most of my bonus things are not just yes or no. Some are going to be, yes, you did this thing, therefore you get the bonus or no, you didn't do this thing. But I like to also bonus on a gradient. So if I have a goal of OTC dollars, let's say we, we set it for $3,000 that they, they need to, for the month, they need to sell $3,000 in OTCs and they end up selling $4,000. Like fantastic. They overachieved. So that means I'm going to be able to overpay them on their bonus. So instead of just maybe getting a bonus of $200, they get a bonus of $250 or something like that. And so allow them to overachieve reward if they go above and beyond and even perform better than what the original goal was was in. And that actually encourages them to always overachieve. And so I like to let them overachieve. And then last not but not least, number eight is you can't get it all done at once. <laughs> I know how many of you are. I talk to pharmacy owners every day and you have a thousand goals for your pharmacy, but you can't get it all done at once. You have to focus. And so that's where you just need to prioritize, understand where people's strengths and weaknesses are, and just start creating a program and just start rolling out goals. And the point is, is when you're where you're at a year from now and you're looking back, you're going to accomplish a lot, but you can't do it all at once and you can't do it all simultaneously either. So focus is really, really important. So some of you might be thinking, well, what kind of things can I bonus for? So I'm going to go through just some the common positions in a pharmacy and just talk about some bonus tasks. Um, some, some of these bonus tasks might not ever apply to you. You know, I mentioned having a compounding technician getting bonus for getting accredited. 
If you don't compound, that's obviously not something your technician can do. But these are just some ideas that I've used in my pharmacies or some ideas that I've given to other pharmacy owners um, as we go through each of these uh, positions. So pharmacist, um, clinical appointment performed, you know, how many appointments did they do in a month? Employee overtime usage. This is really about how they're managing the staff um, and how efficient they're being. Number of mistakes caught. This is one that... Um, as we started to grow in my first pharmacy and we had four pharmacists and we had uh, probably it was like 12 technicians, mistakes started to happen more. And so what we did, we started tracking how many mistakes the pharmacists were catching. And boy, that really reduced um, the number of mistakes. That was, that's an example of one that's not necessarily profit related or revenue related, but boy, if we didn't get that under control, we were certainly gonna be impacted negatively. Um, pharmacist number of vaccinations given, um, pharmac uh, prescriptions left unfilled. <laughs> so for those of you that maybe have different shifts or maybe uh, multiple pharmacists, you know, you know how it feels when you come in that morning and there's all this unleft work from the previous day. Um, doesn't feel so good. So those are just some ideas for um, pharmacists. Now here's for a technician, inventory turns. So I love having technicians be in charge of the inventory program. So inventory turns is fantastic. And that is definitely cash flow and money related. Um, num number of input mistakes. So um, obviously if the pharmacist is catching them, somebody has to be making them and it's usually the technician. So how many mistakes are they making? Um, and let's get those reduced. Number of sync patients. A lot of times technicians are, are uh, responsible for enrolling patients into the sync program. Um, and so how, how good are they doing at that? Number of follow-up calls completed um, is another great example. So a cashier. And a cashier, you know, might, you might call them a clerk or something like that, but it's just kind of like that front person. Um, so OTC dollars per hour. Um, this is one of my favorite metrics. Uh, I talked earlier about OTC dollars per month, but I love tracking cashiers OTC dollars per hour. And we actually bonus off that and we don't bonus financially, but we were bonusing off of letting them choose their schedule. So at one point in my first pharmacy, we had um, we had, I think it was about 15 bodies, 15 people, um, that were our cashiers and clerks and, you know, those front end people, they all weren't full time. Uh, but they, they, they were all young, generally college age, a couple of high school kids and schedule was very important to them. Uh, you know, they didn't want to work Friday closing or, you know, those kinds of things. And so we started ranking them in their OTC dollars per hour. And then whoever was top got to pick their schedule first and whoever second got to pick their schedule. So by the time you got to the bottom, um, you know, it was kind of the crappy schedule that was left. And so that really motivated them to increase their OTC dollars. So that's one of my favorite metrics. Um, number of supplement recommendations is another great one. Customer service score. If you guys are doing customer service, like service, surveys, um, quality, or I'm sorry, quantity of item of the month sold. Uh, one of the things that I used to let my cashiers do because they were responsible for OTC sales is I'd let them pick an item of the month um, and let it rotate. And so um, how many of those did they sell? Um, so here's some other positions. Now, some of these other positions you may not have, um, but if you do, these will give you some ideas. So deliveries per day for driver, that's probably like one of the best ones. OTC dollars sold for them. They were responsible for upselling and up solutions for their OTCs. Uh, birthday surprises given. That's something that we did with our delivery drivers is that we encouraged them to whoever they were delivering to, if it was their birthday, their birthday week, even their birthday month, like we did birthday surprises, which kind of wowed our customers. Compounding technician, um, all active formulas updated. 
when you have a compounding pharmacy and you've been going for a while, sometimes you forget to like update old formulas. That was a big thing in our pharmacy. Um, Follow-up calls completed, average compounds per day, total margin dollars from compounds, making sure that they're paying attention to pricing um, and controlling costs as well. And then um, operations manager, net profit dollars. I think it's perfect for that position, net profit percentage, uh, and also total expenses is another really great one, and dollars per transaction. Um, So if you have anybody kind of in that operation manager role, um, these are definitely some really great KPIs for them. Uh, Marketer, if you happen to have a marketing person, so number of new prescribers per month, number of new patients per month, doctor visits completed, uh, workers' compensation prescriptions. Uh, you can get very niche down into some of these um, goals. So if you have a goal of you know, increasing non-PBM revenue, then maybe you will focus on direct billing for workers' compensation. So then therefore, one of the metrics you're, talk- you're tracking for your marketer is number of new, pres- new workers' comp prescriptions. You know, that's kind of how that flows. So if your goal is non-PBM revenue, that's how you can kind of push down goals to other um, employees to make sure that you're all working enthusiastically in the same direction. And then here's just some like anyone, um, the hold or team based metrics. So thank you cards each day for my employees. They have to write a handwritten thank you card to some employee or I'm not some employee, some patient uh, every day, patient referral program, how many referrals are you getting, non-PBM revenue percentage, inventory value returned when we do big inventory cleanups and those kinds of things. CBD sales is is another great one where you're just looking at the whole team where everybody's working on trying to increase um, the goal of uh, CBD sales. So that is it in terms of the presentation. I do have a free download for you um, as you're managing employees. I I manage my employees by controlling calendar is um, what I is. And it's an Excel file. And it kind of lists all of the tasks for many of the positions that they have to do either on a daily, weekly, or monthly. Um, And we also put their bonuses on there. So whatever the bonus was for that month, we would put the bonuses on there. And then that way, they, you're not having to micromanage your employees. They're kind of self-managing themselves and they, they have it right in front of them on the piece of paper of like what it is that I need to do. And so they can track um, when they do the tasks and, or write down if they miss something, you know, they can write down maybe why, you know, maybe somebody called in sick or, you know, something else happened, but um, feel free to go. You can download it and the website diversifyrx.com forward slash controlling hyphen calendar. And um, you can get that Excel file. It's completely customizable. Um, Once you obviously download it, you can edit the Excel file any which way. And if you need any ideas for your employees, um, feel free to reach out to us. We're happy to help you kind of figure out what that looks like for you. So um, I don't see any questions right now at this time, but if there are any, if you have any um, free, you know, put them in right now. Happy to answer questions about this in particular or really any other um, pharmacy related questions while y'all have me there, there is actually one question in the uh in the section that just came through can you oh, discuss okay. oh you got it i i got it yep i got okay. it here I'll, I'll go ahead and repeat the question can you discuss the format for the conversations you have with new hires and existing staff to discuss their satisfaction are they annually quarterly ad hoc etc um that's a really good question so 
I come from a methodology of more of kind of a coaching relationship with employees rather than like a principal student relationship with employees. So I hope that you're having regular conversations with your employees all the time. Um, and what I, what do I mean by that? You know, you can't have them every day, but actually the controlling calendars that I just gave you is kind of like a monthly tax list. So that actually provided an opportunity for me to have those conversations with employees kind of on a monthly basis. Like, Hey, Tammy, um, looks like you haven't swept the parking lot, you know, like, like you're supposed to in like two weeks, like what's up. Um, and you know, you kind of have those conversations if they're falling short on, on their controlling calendars, you know, it, it brings an opportunity, uh, opportunity to kind of like a tsunami warning. You get to talk to them before, you know, things have gotten really bad. Also, when it comes to employee performances and bonuses, um, if an employee did not bonus and did not kind of maximize their bonus for two months in a row, that would prompt a like, sit down, like what's going on type of conversation. Um, I want employees to get their bonus. I want employees who want to get their bonus. And so if an employee didn't bonus, you know, if they didn't bonus one month, I kind of have that conversation with them, make sure they understand what's going on, why it's important to them. So I definitely have that conversation um, that first time, but man, two months in a row is kind of like a you know, are you happy here? Uh, you know, is something going on? Um, I firmly believe in good people. Like most of the time employees are good. Sometimes they're just in the wrong seat on the bus. Um, and their, their talent and their, uh, job position isn't necessarily well matched. And so I would just say my recommendation to you, there isn't a specific answer in terms of annual quarterly and that I would say, have a conversation, have a relationship with your employees, have an open door where they can come to you and they can talk to you about things. Um, and they're also on top of that, there needs to be kind of a formal process. I think annually you should be dis discussing their compensation and talk about these levers. You know, what has changed when they're, when they're having a baby, when they get married, when they, you know, any of these other types of things, when their kid is now in high school and they're not in junior high, high anymore. Like sit down and talk to them say, Hey, how has your life changed? And how can I, as your employer meet your needs still like what needs to be changed? So I think those kinds of conversations are really good annually or when any big life event happens. So I hope that kind of answers your question. Um, I know it's not as easy as black and white, but we're humans. We're not black and white beings. We're, we're very much a rainbow color. And so, um, you have to do what works for you. Some employees are going to be more needy. Let me tell you, some employees are going to be like, dude, I'm fine. Like, you know, talk to me in six months. Um, so you kind of have to, to, to customize them to those employees needs, but, uh, have a relationship with your employees. I think is the best. All right. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And I've, you're just reading about the great coaches. Uh, that's what I was thinking of you during your presentation, that you're really being fair to everyone, but being um, doing that in a very customized basis and treating them as uh, individuals, which is uh, great advice. Not easy to do, but you gave a lot of great ways that you can implement that within the business. Yeah, and I see a couple of questions just came through. So oh, good. Is, what format do you use, use for yearly employee evaluations? So I do have an employee evaluation kind of like um, task list. Um, be happy to send that to you if you want to send me an email. Um, but another thing that you can do is if you, if you do create the controlling calendars is we kept those for the employees. And so you can, you can see right then and there, like, 
how, how often did you do your daily tasks? How often did you do your weekly tasks? How often did you do your, you know, your monthly tasks? Um, and if you have more regular conversations with your employees, the quote unquote annual evaluation becomes less important in terms of like feeling like you're going to the principal's office, like you're getting graded, um, because that's not the relationship I want with, with the employees. I want them to feel like, I'm rooting for them just as much as I want them to, you know, perform for me. And so, um, but yeah, I do have a form. It's, it's actually probably in our Facebook group too. Um, if you're in the diversifier X Facebook group, if you go to the files, you can download it. I I'm for sure that it's in there as well, but, um, if you don't find it, feel free to email me and I'm happy to email you what, what I use. And then another question is I'm having trouble getting part-time pharmacists. So RPH to work Saturdays, any advice to incentivize, um, couple of questions, kind of a clarifying question, maybe you could pop it in real quick is, is it your already current pharmacists that are working the weekdays that you're trying to get to work Saturdays? Or are you trying to find outside person to come and work on Saturdays? Um, because the, the incentivize might be a little bit different there. So um, one of the things, if you have current pharmacists that are having a hard time also agreeing to work Saturdays, probably because they're giving up a weekday to work Saturdays, one of the things is you might you might pay for a whole day at work. So if you're open, you know, five hours on Saturdays and somebody has to take Wednesday off to work Saturday, but they're losing eight hours on Wednesday, but they're only making five hours on Saturday. Like, I think it's a little bit of finding out, like, why don't they want to work on Saturdays? Is it that? Is it that their kids have a baseball game every Saturday morning, you know, in the months of June, July and August, and they don't want to work that. So I think it's a little bit of talking and having that conversation with them. If you're your current staff that you're trying to get to work on Saturday. Now, if you're just trying to attract other people to come in and cover on Saturday, it's probably going to be like, is it worth my time? You know, those are the kinds of things they're not interested in benefits. They're not interested in PTO. They're not interested in that. They just want like, they just want to make a good chunk of change for coming in and working on Saturday. So those are the kinds of things that it's probably just the total compensation um, that they're, that they're going to get paid um, for that type of thing. So it's a little bit kind of a different approach based on who, who you're trying to attract in for that Saturday position. So I hope that helps. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you have a more profitable pharmacy for free. One, join my free group at lisasrxgroup.com. Two, get the latest strategies at diversifyrx.com forward slash blog. Three, watch helpful videos at lisasyt.com. Four, hit that subscribe button and please be sure to leave us a five-star review so we can help more pharmacy owners and bring those insights back to you. Becoming a Pharmacy Badass is proud to be a part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network.